Hey everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind for episode 85 of the Solopreneur Grind podcast. I'm very happy to be joined by Jason Osborne from RethinkAcademy.com. Jason, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Hey Josh, it's absolutely my pleasure, man. I've been looking forward to it, so ready, ready to get stuck in. Awesome. Likewise, Jason, can you tell everybody just to get us started just a little bit more about yourself, what you're working on these days? Yeah, sure, man. So um, I, I live here in the UK. I'm originally from Texas, though. Uh, so I always get that out of the way because people <laughs> end up trying to figure out where I'm from as opposed to actually listening. So uh, yeah, I'm from Texas, moved to Republic of Ireland about 15 years ago, hmm. and then moved to the north of England up near Leeds, for anyone that knows where that is, um, about nine years ago. And um, yeah, what we're doing with Rethink Academy, um, I head of coaching over there, and we, we work with uh, clients and helping them to build businesses and market themselves online. Um, just kind of as a quick recap, but I know we'll probably go into a bit more depth around all that and that journey, but that's in a nutshell who I am, man. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm interested for the, the business and, and the entrepreneurial side, also interested about that geographical journey that you took. So what did the very beginning of your career look like, Jason? Where did it start? Was it in the US? Uh, you know, at, at what point in, in your life did you make that big first move? Um, so it, it was in the U.S. Um, I, uh, I've always been real entrepreneurial, love the whole thing of business and started my first business when I was 20. Um, hmm. I was uh, had a, a friend who uh, owned a, a company in Houston, where I'm from, and uh, sold window coverings on, on uh, like blinds for houses. And um, so I was kind of just doing some stuff on with him going out and selling, get commission, all that kind of stuff. And he had an opportunity to do something that he wanted to do. And he's like, man, do you want the business? And I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> and so he basically just handed it over to me. I, I, uh, I changed uh, the name of it slightly because he wanted to keep the DBA that he had. But um, yeah, man, that's when I got started when I was 20. And uh, I've always loved business, like I said, and it, it was it was an incredible experience uh, that I'd ran that for two years. And what I learned in that was phenomenal. It, 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 really had a massive impact on my own life and the direction. And it, it kind of just was the the beginning domino that kind of led to where I am now. So yeah, man, I've always, right. always loved business. Very cool. Now at the time, and, and an experience like that, I'm like, you can't learn in a textbook, right? Which leads me to ask at that point, were you in school? Did you go to college? Did you go to university? Was this like your college in a sense? Yeah, I was I, I was going to the University of Houston. Um, and, uh, I gotta be honest with you, Josh, I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, the idea of getting a degree was, was nice. Um, I, I started off actually studying a hotel and restaurant management, hmm. um, and Houston actually, uh, U of H has a really, really good program for the, well, they did when I was going to uni, I'm sure they probably still do. Um, and, and I, I transitioned then to studying finance and, and, and I liked the element of it, but I loved actually being in business. And there was, mm -hmm. man, I'd sit in some of the lectures and I was just like, oh God, come on. You know, it's like, don't really have to sit for this for another couple of years. So um, I, jumping ahead, I know we'll probably jump back and forth all over the place, but I ended up not finishing. Um, one, I ended up moving country. Um, so that's one reason why I didn't finish. Um, and looking back at it, I thought, would I have actually finished even if I stayed in, in the States? And I probably wouldn't have because I just loved the actual learning experience of the whole thing because we'd get in and and I, I think there's a place for uni. I, I'm, I don't mm. bash it. I know some people, oh, I'll never go. If you want to go, go. I think it has its place. 
but I, I got in there and I just would hear people talking about different things and they talk about theory and you'd hear different students bat for, you know, back, di- uh, uh, bat different ideas back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, that's not the real world, man. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? So yeah, I, I love the actual application going in and there's things that I learned and, and I think everyone in business will attest to this fact, but there's things that I learned um, in my first business that I, I would have, you can't learn in university. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, so I, I really enjoyed the actual real world experience getting out there, meeting people and stuff. So. Yeah, and I would say you're definitely part of the majority in terms of, I mean, we've had now dozens and dozens of guests on, and maybe it's just because of the types of guests I have, more of the solopreneur kind of uh, go-getters doing it on their own, kind of small to medium-sized businesses, but most seem to, and and again, I don't want to generalize here, but most seem to have either dropped out or kind of done like a shorter, more practical college degree, and really it's, it's the it's the real world experience that kind of uh, leads the way for them. Of course, there's a time and a place for, for everything. I have a BCom as well, so I've been through you know a Bachelor's of Commerce, and I definitely don't regret it, but I don't remember 80% of it anyways. So anyways, that's a whole other conversation. So yeah. Jason, so you basically get handed over this business, and from working for him a little bit, did you pick up some of what you need to know? Were you kind of, did it come naturally? And, and what was it like when all of a sudden you become this, you know, CEO, president, whatever you want to call it? Uh, you know, were there, was there a lot of employees to manage? What were those first six months like? Yeah, so I, it was just me. I didn't have any employees or anything like that. I mean, he he just, he kind of ran it for some extra money mm-hmm. and he, he just, uh, he said, "Hey, man, do you want to come and help out, and you can make some extra money and doing that kind of stuff?" Because obviously, you know, Houston's a big place, just like mm-hmm. Toronto. I mean, there's a lot of people, so you know, he couldn't cover all one area. So yeah. I was like, "Yeah, cool, man. I'm, you know, I'm happy to do that." And it kind of, it, it cut my teeth. You know, I was a contractor, so it cut my teeth kind of that whole thing of going out there and just being able to make money when I wanted to make money. So when he when he said, Hey, do you want this? It, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. I was like, <laughs> Whoa, like, Whoa, I'm going to actually own something. So, you know, I had to, um, he, I, he, he introduced me to the suppliers and all that kind of stuff. And so I, it was just, there was, you hear a lot about the whole thing of, uh, you know, that imposter syndrome type thing. And, and I've, I've, um, I've probably had that off and on different areas through my entire life and career because anytime i think you go to you know quote unquote the next level or do something new there's always that kind of like oh my god am i really doing this type of thing you know mm-hmm. so when i started it, it it um when i took over that business it was really interesting to see you know i i just went to vista print got some cards made and you know it was like owner and i was like whoa mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's like is this real it was it was really odd feeling um but it, it taught me loads of stuff because everything it, it began and ended with me. You know, I couldn't go to him anymore and ask him, well, what do you think about this? Or, you know, what would you do? Or, and so mm-hmm. there was a lot of things just that I learned in that whole process. And um, I was always, well, I still am very introverted. And, but then it was really interesting because you're going in and you're sitting in people's living rooms. Like, they don't know you. I was a 20, 20 year old, you know, mm-hmm. I'm 41 now. So when I look back at it, I'm thinking I was a 20, 20 year old kid, you know? Um, and, and that's not to 
say that 20 year olds are kids, but now, you know, 21 years later, it's like, man, I was so young in that whole process. And the way you do, I mean, you knew who your customer was because you could see through their house. (laughs) They didn't have any window coverings on. And I'd go up, knock on their door, introduce myself. And like 50, 60% of people would just go, yeah, cool. Come on in. And, and okay. And I'd come in and, and have my little notebook and, you have to go around the house and measure all their windows because you need to know the sizes of it and all that to be able to quote up and all that. And man, Josh, there would be times I'd be walking, they just give you free rain in their house because right. yeah, they're not going to follow you and everywhere you go. Right. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting there thinking I'm a 20, I'm 20 years old. These people really don't know who I am at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm just walking around their homes. You know, right. I mean, I could be stealing stuff. I could be doing whatever I wanted to they don't even know me. And so that whole kind of thing, I was like, man, you know, to, to learn that stuff and then sit inside their house, sit in their, their living room, give up a quote. And at the time, I mean, the average order was, you know, anywhere between kind of two and $4,000. And I, I, I required a 50% deposit. So, you know, half the time I'd leave with a check for a thousand, it was a check back then, you know, right. but I'd leave it. I'd leave, I'd give leave with a check for a thousand dollars. I'm like, what? So it <laughs> was, it happened. was, yeah. yeah, man. So it was crazy. It was, it was just something else just to learn how to be more comfortable in my own skin and how to have that kind of conversation with people when you don't even know them and then be able to actually walk away with an order and, and, you know, money in your hand, so to speak. It was, it was, it was crazy, man, but I loved it. Right. Well, it, it sounds like an incredible first business, right? Like you, you don't have to manage all the employees. You don't have to make crazy strategic decisions. So it sounds like a great opportunity. It's also crazy to think of now, not just because it's 2020, you know, 20 years later and things are a little bit different, but because of COVID, right? To go into random people's houses. I feel like that's not something that's going to be happening uh, for a long time. Uh, But very cool to hear. So what happened after those two years or what happened at the end of those two years that transitioned you to kind of the next stage? And what was that next stage? Yeah, it was a combination of things. So one, um, Houston is known for oil and refineries and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, there's a lot of um, uh, refinery workers and they'll work like four days on, four days off or even seven days on, seven days off. at least back in the, in, the, in the day, I don't know what they work now, but that what they do is they, and they make good money as well. Like, you know, it's, it's, you make good money working in a refinery, but you know, they'd be sitting around for a week. And so, you know, a lot of the, the, the people that worked as uh, workers in a refinery, they, they just want to sit around for a week. So what they do is they would start up um, it, cause it's not, it wasn't the barrier to entry was really low to get into that type of business. So mm-hmm. they set up with a supplier, go out, it's not their livelihood they'd go out get one or two deals a month make you know a couple hundred dollars four or five hundred dollars a month it's an extra car payment or whatever and so to them it wasn't their livelihood it's like cool it doesn't matter i'm just it's it's it wasn't difficult work either so it it really started bringing down the margins and um you know it's something that i it was harder and harder for me to actually be able to properly make a living from it and in combination with that i ended up being in a plane crash as well a private plane crash oh, wow. um a couple of my friends died in it and Jeez. so there was just a lot of there was a lot of transition in the whole in that whole process and so um i just decided you know what um i'm going to kind of exit out of that and uh, and moved on to some other things and then ended up moving 
country a couple years later. So, you know, it was, it was a lot of just a couple things that kind of led to that decision. So. Right. And what ultimately led to the new country? Cause that's a big decision, obviously. Yeah. Well, as for most guys, it usually comes down to either a woman or money. So it was mm-hmm. a woman. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, 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 uh, I married, um, a lady from Ireland and, uh, moved to the, uh, West of Ireland near Galway. And, um, and uh, we were married for for a while. Ended up getting divorced about four years ago. But we that's what brought me to to Ireland. And um, you know, I I I quite enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed the move. It was a whole new kind of country. Well, it wasn't a kind of new country. It was. It was a whole new country, whole new kind of culture around stuff. I've been to Ireland quite a lot, but living there is completely different than just kind of visiting off and on. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what transitioned me to to Ireland. Right. Um, and w- yeah. what were you doing for work there? Like, what was the career progression looking like? Yeah. So when I got there, um, I got a job pretty quick. Uh, when when I moved there, it was kind of the height of what was called the Celtic Tiger. Um, for anyone from Ireland, they know exactly what that was. It was everything was booming. House house prices were basically rising in double digits. They they hmm. they rose double digits for like twelve years. It was it got to a point where you couldn't even buy a home unless you got a hundred percent zero interest mortgage like it was it was crazy stuff so it was there were jobs like it was just everything was booming right so i got a job real quick and i was actually selling advertising on tv screens that were put up above the checkouts in supermarkets Hmm. and um it was really cool actually doing it because i got it immersed me into the culture really really fast because i was constantly going into small businesses you know, showing them what we were doing. And again, it was Celtic Tire. So everyone was wanting to advertise and it, you know, it did really well at it. I was a top sales guy in the country doing that. And so I, I enjoyed doing it, but the whole, I, I did it just to get a job, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, I knew I wanted to go back into business because I just kind of who I am. So I was looking around kind of what was going on in business and wanted to understand a bit more of the culture. And that's when the whole online thing kind of started up because I just loved the whole thing of online marketing, the whole concept of it. As an industry, it's really, really, really new. But particularly, um, this was 13 years ago when I started my online business. Um, It was really, really new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of what made that transition into that and, and just had an opportunity. Well, I've made an opportunity and got into it and stuck into it. So, right. So what, what did that look like? What exactly was the business? Um, how did you, how did you start educating yourself around, you know, internet marketing, online marketing, stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. Well, I, um, I, I ended up buying a course, had a little bit of coaching around it just so I had some information and understanding of, how the whole thing works and um there was lots of stuff i learned in it and then there was tons of stuff i didn't learn that i learned just in the process of doing it and um i've always been real big into self-development self-improvement all that kind of stuff as well so i thought well, what if i kind of marry those two things together and ended up training up as a life coach and applied that to what i was doing online and just got stuck in and you know there i didn't really know what I was doing looking back at it, but I was just consistent with it and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And so those two things kind of built up and um, within 18 months, I'd built an email list of 9,000 people. I was coaching mm-hmm. people in 13 countries and, um, you know, doing fairly well at it and just enjoying it, enjoying the whole process. And um, 
during that time, I I kind of connected with some kind of big name online marketer marketers as well, and one of them just said to me one day, like, why don't you start teaching people this stuff? And I was like, teaching them what? You know, because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I'm just mm-hmm. building my life, my, my life coaching business. Like, well, teach people how to market themselves online. I was like, why would someone want to learn from me? And they're like, well, because you built, you know, you can't see stuff sometimes, you yeah. know, that's why you need mentors in your life. And so I was like, okay. So I, that's what I did. I made the transition. And um, that was about 11 years ago and uh, started uh, helping people uh, online. And uh, in one form or another, I've been doing that over the last 11 years, helping out. And of course, you know, that's completely what I do now. But yeah, that's how I got started with it. And just, I loved it. It's, 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 it's an amazing business platform, you know, kind of business structure to have. So, right. Absolutely. And I want to talk a little bit more about the, the life coaching phase, because I'm sure at the time, especially, it was a lot of that stuff was brand new. But now it seems yeah. like everybody and their mother is is a life coach, uh, especially when you're looking around online. What was yeah. it like at that point in time, Jason? And can you talk about maybe two or three of the key things that you did that you think led to that initial success? Maybe you know it probably wasn't overnight success, like most successes yeah. uh, are not. But what do you think were two or three of the things that you did or, or reasons that you were able to get so successful so quickly at, at as the life coach? Yeah. Um, so one of the, the things, so 13 years ago when I started all of that, life coaching, it, the, the, the concept of life coaching, generally speaking, was still very, you know, hairy-fairy kind of wooey, you know, like what's all this kind of new age stuff you know people mm-hmm. didn't really understand it they didn't really get it so that was one challenge is like oh you're one of those people you know mm-hmm. and so that was one kind of challenge around that but the the thing that i learned is you you, you need to create value you need to be able to go out there and just show that you have value to add to people be consistent with that and as you're consistent with that and adding value people start to take on board what you have to say and 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 you build a, uh, I say you build a relationship sometimes you don't it's not like personal relationships sometimes but they build a relationship with you by listening to your content um, reading your content of course it was very different back then and you know we now bought podcasts and all that kind of stuff but it, just staying consistent with that and one of the things that I, I really learned over the years and it's one of the main things when I'm working with clients now is you have to move out of what I call a commodity-based market. And that's what a lot of people do. And you said it yourself, you know, everyone in their mother's life coach and, you know, business coach and all that stuff. And people lump themselves into this commodity where they just right. go, oh, I'm a life coach. And that's how they position themselves. Well, now, fast forward 13 years later, everyone knows about life coaching. Everyone knows about coaching and mentoring, all that kind of stuff. and so what makes you different what makes you stand out from everybody else and that's really really important when you're going in and positioning yourself to your market of what differentiates you from everybody else you know and i like i like i've got loads of examples around that but it it, you have to do that so that's one of the biggest things that i kind of learned in that process is how to be different stand out above everybody else so right and from a more, I guess, tactical standpoint, what were you doing online? What was your, you know, content strategy? How were you able to grow that list so successfully? 
Yeah, so back then it was articles, which sounds painful now. <laughs> like but, blog posts or all no, kinds it, of articles? It was articles. Um, I primarily used um, um, ezinearticles.com. Okay. And uh, I, I just posted tons and tons of articles, which obviously it, it, it got um, distributed out as well and content went out. And, and a lot of people were looking at that. It was just one of the big ways that people were searching for content, you know, 13, 13 years ago. And so I just basically developed a way where I was able to write four, four articles a day, which cool. some people go, well, how did you do that? And I did it in an hour, an hour mm -hmm. a day, four articles, got it out. And it just built up content and content and content. And I got to a point, man, where I was, you know, I was getting 15, 20, sometimes even 30 to 40 um, email subscribers a day off of that, mm -hmm. just because the, the content built up over time. Right. And um, yeah, so that's what I was doing. It, it, way easier ways now but that's right. what i was doing back then man absolutely and then with the email list itself what were you doing were you was it a weekly email was it, i'm 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 a big believer and fan of email lists so i'm always curious to ask about what what your strategy was then what was working then and then if you're still doing that stuff now uh, more than happy to hear that too yeah so a lot of it it was Sometimes it'd be weekly. Sometimes I'd do more emails uh, dur during the week. And, and it always comes down to testing, seeing how your market responds, what type of content that they really are, are kind of devouring and kind of build upon that. Um, but it was just it was just going in and creating those emails to add value to them. And the main way that I was generating leads, which it still works today and a lot of people are doing it this way is you just move people into a strategy session or a discovery call and understand what that individual's needs are and then move them into you know a coaching program around that the the challenge that i find a lot of consultants coaches advisors is they just don't know how to get people on the phone mm -hmm. you know i've seen a lot of really amazing people that have a, a you know they're inspired by what they do. They want to help people, whether it's a business coach, a life coach, wellness coach, whatever. And they just don't know how to market themselves, you know, and right. that's what stops people. And so it's one of the things that why I love doing what I do, because I started off as a coach, you know, mm -hmm. life coach. And I, I like being able to kind of give back and help people to just reposition, reposition themselves how to stand out from everyone else and be able to actually start getting those leads in. Cause I think if, if they can get the leads in and learn how to transition that lead into a client, you know, we will have more people out there to impact more people, which is mm -hmm. what I like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many people out there with great businesses in all forms, whether they're a coach or not with great products or services, but ultimately if you can't figure out the marketing and or sales side, it's a it's a bit of a shame right kind of what you alluded to like someone could have such a great product or service or both and you're just not able to bridge the gap between yourself and and the customer who needs yeah. what you want and is willing to pay for it so jason can you talk a little bit more about when you made that transition right you, you're with your friend or whoever it was that kind of made the suggestion to help people do the stuff that you were really good at what was that like did you open up a whole new business? Did you, you know, what, what did that kind of shift look like? Um, I, 
I didn't open up a new business, but what I did is is I just started letting people know what I was I was doing. I started speaking um, at different speaking events uh, around Ireland and England, and just started connecting with more people in that space. And same thing, just going out, adding value, showing people you know ideas and tips and all that kind of stuff to get people again on the phone, chat through what their needs are, and move them into into a, you know program on how we could help them move forward with stuff and you know a lot of things have, have changed now but ultimately the the basics are the same it's going out adding value and positioning yourself as a go-to person to help people in that particular field that whatever field you're in mm -hmm. so that people actually know okay you've got something of value that you can add to me how can you help me Right. And so, yeah, that's what we did. We just transitioned into that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that happened over the last 11 years. But, you know, that's what we're doing now is just helping people um, with their businesses, whether it's coaches, consultants, or, you know, even non-consultants and coaches. You know, it's we're helping all sorts of people now. But, it, yeah, it's amazing. Man. Really cool. Awesome. That's great to hear. Now, when you say you, you get people on the phone, hear what their needs are, and then get them into, you know, the right program, to help them. Can you break down what that looks like? Do you have kind of just one core offering that you amend a little bit based on what the needs are? Do you have a variety of services or products? Are, are these online products? Are these one-to-one -one coaching products? Can, just if you can give a little bit more detail on what that kind of looks like. Yeah, sure. So everyone's a little bit different. So my business is kind of split up into two areas. So my um, one side of it is completely focused on LinkedIn, helping businesses to market themselves in a non-spammy way mm -hmm. on LinkedIn to generate really good, high-quality leads. The other side of what I do is contracted out with uh, the Rethink Academy, and we have we have thousands of people come through our programs and hundreds of high-end mentoring clients and all that kind of stuff. So there's different approaches on how you do different things. If you're talking specifically about getting someone on on the phone, um, usually it's it's about having one specific core offer because if you have too many offers, it confuses people. Mm -hmm. And you know when, when I'm working with clients on how to position what they do on a phone call, it's about listening to the client and finding out one can you actually help them because you know a lot of people go oh, just yeah, I just want any type of client. No, you don't. <laughs> you know can you help them? Um, you know, is, is it a client that you feel that you you're, you actually want to continue to work with? Um, because sometimes you do get on a call and you think, you know, it's going to be an absolute nightmare working with this person. And it's your business, so you don't have to take them on board. Now, that kind of comes with a bit more confidence as you build up your business a bit more and um, maybe aren't in as much need for income. You know, when mm -hmm. you just start off, you're like, I'll take anybody. You know? mm -hmm. But after a while, you learn, man, that was a bad decision. So, um, but it's it's ultimately it's understanding what their needs are, and if you need to tailor a little bit what you do, obviously do that because again, it's your business. I mean, you can you can offer what you want and mm -hmm. help them based on what their needs are. But you know, I I usually have one core offering. Um, it's same thing with what we do in Rethink. We have one core you know main offering that we provide to people. We have a couple different levels with it, but it's it's it's, it's the same focus of helping you achieve that outcome that you're wanting to do in your business, and. I think a lot of people just miss that. They they want to be all things to all people. Right. And it's, man, it's one of the absolute biggest mistakes anybody can make. Because as soon as you do that, 
you dilute your message and it confuses people because they don't know what you're doing. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. with me doing what I do with on LinkedIn, I see this all the time. People have in their headline, you know, uh, they're, they're a life coach, a business coach, a hypnotherapist, dog whisperer and mm-hmm. whatever. And you're like, what? Yeah. You know, and then you get them on, get on the phone with them and start, well, what do you do and who do you help? Well, I can help everybody. And then it's what? So it's, it's walking through that process, getting real clear. The more clear you are on who your target market is, the people you want to do business with, it, it, it changes the game. And, and what I found through this, Josh, is the reason why most people don't hone in and really niche or niche down, depending on where in the world you are and what word you use. Um, it, the reason why people don't niche down is because it's fear. They're afraid that someone out there might need one particular solution to some weird thing that they studied 15 years ago. And because they're so desperate for money, they just they just tell everyone, I can help you do whatever. Mm-hmm. So it, it's making sure that when you're on the phone, it's really clear what it is that you're offering, who you want to help. And if you can't help people, be honest with them and just say, do you know what? I, I, what you're looking for is not what I do. Mm-hmm. And refer them on to somebody else that can help them. Um, but but yeah, I, I kind of went with a couple of different directions to that answer. But yeah, it's <laughs> that's what that's what I do. No, it, it makes sense, and it's and it's so true. I can definitely relate to and agree with a lot of that. Now, for for someone because because you know coaching is so popular, consulting. What do you recommend as a good kind of like starter uh, offer? Right. So in terms of you know, people are going to have different niches, people are going to have different focuses. But what's kind of like a good baseline to work with? Uh, you know, especially let's say you're a coach, you're looking to help people one on one with, you know, whatever, some variety, yeah. some version of being a life coach or a, or a business coach. Uh, is there kind of like a good offer in the, you know, should you should you offer six week courses? Should you offer hourly this? Should you you know, what's what's the type of packages that you uh, think are are a good idea. So, it, it it always comes down to the person and experience. But if we're just talking about someone just starting off, I would always recommend them doing one to one coaching to start off with. And a lot of people go, oh yeah, but how do I scale then? I just want to sell products and all that kind of stuff. The problem with trying to scale too fast is if you don't know specifically how to work with people and you've worked with other people through that process to help them achieve the result that you guys have agreed on, you'll scale problems. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important. You know, I always tell people to start off with something, do four or five sessions, you know, four or five, one hour sessions and work with them in, in that process. And it, that may mean when you're starting off that you don't charge as, as much as what you'd like to down the road. And that's fine. It's absolutely fine. A lot of people are really short-term minded. They're like, oh yeah, but but I want to be charging this, and you know, I want to be, be charging you know five hundred dollars or pounds an hour. It's like, well, how much have you earned per hour? Before? What's the most amount of money you've ever earned per hour for? And they're like, well, thirty dollars or fifty dollars. It's like, so you're wanting to ten x what you charge? Like, you're a life coach, and you do you not understand the whole thing about? If you if you don't believe the value in yourself, what you do, you'll bring yourself back down. So people try to go in and they charge these really high prices and inside they don't actually believe they're worth that much. So I always tell people just just think long term. 
and what you're doing in your business and get some clients on board. And you know, you know what, when you're starting off, if you end up having to work with someone for more time than what you'd originally agreed to, just focus on the result, get mm-hmm. them the result. Because not only are, is that individual, the coach going to learn a ton in the process, the result that that person gets that client, the testimonial you can get from them is an asset to you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just, they don't get that because if you can get a written or even a, a, a verbal or video testimonials, even way better, but you get a, a video testimonial from that client, more, the more uh, uh, testimonials and social proof that you build up, your job becomes so much easier because you're not having to try to convince people that you can help them. You're like, well, look here, Mm-hmm. Like that's what I've done for other people. You know, it's just, that's what we do. And so I always tell people, think of the long term. Don't try, you know, don't be led by fear of I've, I've got to make this much money right now. And, you know, my, my goal is to be earning 50 or hundred or $200,000 a year. It's like, okay, great. That's your goal. That doesn't mean you have to do it today. You mm-hmm. know, let's, let's build up to that. So that's how I, I always, um, everyone's a little bit different, but typically speaking, that's how I usually advise people is just start off four or five sessions. Don't worry so much about the, the amount you're getting paid to begin with. Just go through that process because you'll learn so much in that. And then if you want to go into group coaching or create a program, you're, you're not creating a group program or a digital product based on theory on what you think your client is going to need. You're going to do it based on experience of what you've gone through and your your group program or your digital product is going to be so much better value when you're able to do that. So that's right. that's usually what I advise people on. Yeah, it's it's great advice. I think you're right on the testimonial. And I also think that the word of mouth, right, it's one thing to get the testimonial. But if that client is actually happy, they'll yeah. just start telling people too, right, which from yeah. my experience is far and away the best type of marketing I think most people would probably agree with that. Uh, Awesome, Jason. So I want to shift focus a little bit and and talk more about kind of the online marketing strategies. You talked about how 13 years ago, what worked really great was writing articles. I'd love to talk more about what is the modern, we'll call it, approach to that. You know, what would you suggest now in terms of, let's say you're a new coach, you're a new anything. What are some of these different good online marketing strategies that you could use? And I also love to talk about LinkedIn. I mean, I get so many invitations from contacts these days with the most generic, terrible notes on why they want to connect. And so I'd love to to pick your brain a little bit about LinkedIn. But let's start first more generally. If you were, you know, let's, let's say it was Jason from 13 years ago and it's today and you're starting this you know, new life or, or business coach uh, business, what would be your modern day approach to marketing yourself? Yeah, so there's the, the basics of it haven't actually changed a lot, which I think a lot of people are really surprised by. It's just, there's different platforms. Mm-hmm. And in five years, there's gonna be different platforms than there are today. So it's not necessarily about saying, okay, what platform um, am I going to always be working from? You know, because even though I focus a lot with what I help people on with LinkedIn right now, there may be a day when LinkedIn becomes irrelevant. That doesn't mean the business should stop because the ultimate underlying um, uh, structure on how you 
generate clients is the same. So the, the main thing is this, and, and um, I'll just give you what we do with, with Rethink. It's a kind of a, a, a the, the, the outline, so to speak, of what we do with this. But the first thing is, is or, which is um, your right niche. You gotta make sure that you're in the right niche. And you said earlier, you need to find a group of people that have a pain that you can solve, but also they have the money to pay you. Because you know? mm-hmm. if they don't have money to pay you, that's a charity. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's not a business. Um, and, and there's great charities, but if you're in it to be profitable, you need to make sure you, the people you're going, you're targeting can pay you. So right niche, make sure you, then E, evaluate your avatar, get really clear on, and we talked a little bit about that, about, you know, who you're targeting and all of that kind of stuff. And then what we want to do is the T is target the right traffic. And so this is when it comes down to what platforms are your your target market on. And that in and of itself can be really, really, really confusing to people because we get bombarded with Facebook ads, Instagram ads, um, YouTube ads. We, we get stuff all over the place about the next big thing, you know, mm-hmm. oh, you should be blogging. No, you should be micro blogging. No, you should be doing YouTube. No, you should do podcasting. No, you should do LinkedIn. And everyone's, they're so confused about what they should be doing. And so it's understand, okay, well, actually, where's your target market? Do you know, where are they right now? Don't, don't try to force them to come to you, get in front of them. You know, so if you're business to business or you have a, a product or service that you're selling to professionals, LinkedIn's a phenomenal platform to use. If you're doing more B2C type things, then Facebook and Instagram or potentially even Pinterest. I mean, a lot of people forget Pinterest even exists, but there's a lot of people making a lot of money on Pinterest. Mm -hmm. It's just understanding where your target market is. So targeting the right traffic. Once you know where they are, then we move to to the age, which is helping people for free. And a lot of people don't like that. They're like, oh, you know, I want to, I mean, there's, I'm not a charity. It's like, but you got to add value. You know, you have to add value. And then what a lot of people do is they skimp on that. They do the the absolute smallest amount of free content that they give to them. And I'm like, yeah, but do you not realize how that reflects on you? Like if the, if how you help people for free doesn't convey how good you are, they're not going to work with you anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's making sure that you're really helping people for for uh, for good value for free on that. And then what we do is the I, which is the immediate upsell. And that could be um, whether you're sending people directly to like a landing page where you're giving away uh, an ebook or a you know a training series or whatever it is, or whether it's moving people directly into a phone call, whatever it is that you're doing is you want to always make sure you offer people something because they're in they're in what's called a yes state they're saying they've said yes to either a phone call or yes to put their name and email address into a um uh, to a landing page and so they're in this yes i want information and so offer them something you know and people are surprised how many times people actually go yeah cool i'll 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 give you some money for that Mm -hmm. and so you know and that that's good um so once we do that then it goes into uh into the end which is nurture your list or nurture your audience however you want to look at it that way whether they have an email list or whether you've got uh, your audience on a social platform it's nurture them um keep giving them more content more value whether it's through emails or facebook lives or content posts or whatever it is continue to nurture them continue that because not everyone's going to be ready to buy from you today 
Mm-hmm. And so continually nurturing them through that. And then the last thing, which is really important, is the K, which is know your numbers. You, you got to know your numbers. And a lot of people make emotional decisions based on what they're doing. And I understand it. It's your business. You want to you want to help people. You want to make money. Um, but if you don't know your numbers and you're led by emotions on your decisions, oftentimes you're going to be making the wrong decisions, you know, because mm-hmm. you might be emotionally attached to a particular video or landing page or whatever. But if that's not converting well and something else that may not be as pretty, so to speak, is converting better. Well, don't get emotionally attached to the pretty version. If people are, are more if, if if it's converting better on the quote unquote ugly version, go with that because you're going to ultimately help more people doing that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the structure that we work through with people. And so the right platform, it's dependent on your market, what you do, where your target market is at the time and all that sort of thing. So, right. yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's a great answer. I think really what it comes down to, you kind of alluded to it in not so many words, is is you just got to provide people the most value and how you do that will really differ. We've actually had a few guests on who've done very well using primarily Pinterest. I don't know if I've been on Pinterest for more than 10 seconds in my life, and, and so I was very <laughs> yeah. surprised to hear it. But like you said, you, you go to where you, you get the traffic. Uh, so yep. I, I totally, uh, totally agree. And that sounds like a, a really good model. So Jason, what would you say when you start working with people, you're teaching them this, this model and you're trying to help them reshape their businesses or build their businesses, what are two or three of the key mistakes that you see or, or two or three of the you know, problems that you kind of see yourself fixing over and over again? Yeah. So Again, it depends on the individual. So I'll, I'll kind of go two different routes with this. One, let's just say it's someone wanting to start off online. They don't really quite know what their what, what direction they want to go to. Let's let's say that they could be, you know, maybe they've trained as a life coach, but maybe they want to do something a little bit different. They're trying to find a, a, a niche that is the magic bullet, you know, mm-hmm. where it, and, and we see this a lot with people. They'll start off in one area. It. it in their eyes doesn't work after a few weeks or a month or so and then they go oh well it's it's the niche you know it's it there's got to be a better one and then they move on to something else and they move on to something else there isn't a magic bullet right i mean there's Mm -hmm. people in literally every niche around the world that are made that's making really really good money the problem that a lot of people find is the consistency they're not consistent with it. They're not learn. They're not willing to be a student of the process, a student of the business model, and mm-hmm. learning how to actually go out there, connect with your ideal prospects, add value to them, and learn. And one of the things, and it it was I I run a, a weekly mastermind for some of our high end clients uh, every Thursday night, and, and it, it, we just did this on this last Thursday. About every four or five weeks it feels like we always come back to mindset, mm-hmm. right? Like, cause I can tell you what buttons to push. I can tell you the theory, the concepts, I can consult with you and give you ideas on how to position yourself, wording to use. Like I can do that. But at the end of the day, if it, it, it's right here in between our head that stops us. Mm-hmm. And, and what we do oftentimes is whenever we go into a start start a business or we have a business and we're going into something new, we always look, typically speaking, most of us, and I do this as well, I've, I've 
learning more and more every day how not to do this. But we always look at the upsides. That's what we focus on, right? We go into, it could be a business relationship, a new job, uh, you know, if you're an employer, whatever. We look at this and we, we, in our mind's eye, all we see is the positive. We see how amazing it's going to be, how, you know, this new business is going to give them, give us this laptop freedom that everyone's talking about, where we're going to sit mojitos on a beach while on a laptop. And that's what people see, man. And mm -hmm. it, that's all they see. And then when they get into the actual doing bit, they have to learn. Mm -hmm. And there's things they didn't even know that they have to learn. And it can be challenging and there can be a struggle in that process. And so as they go through that, that's when people get discouraged because mm -hmm. they don't realize, you know, there's everything has an upside, everything has a downside. And as soon as that challenge sets in or they think, oh, I can't do this, that's where people fall down. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, the, the biggest mistakes that I see people making, which people are, well, yeah, but that, that, that's not the mistake of like what they should be doing on a platform. It's like, yeah, but that in reality, that puts easy. Mm -hmm. It's it's the the learning and the mindset that consistency where most people fall short. Yeah, I I think it's a great point. I totally agree that I think the hardest part far and away about success, uh, you know, finding finding and keeping and growing success in business is mental, right? Yeah, you can find all the answers. You can Google. You can YouTube. You could hire people, but especially when times are tough and you do have to be consistent sometimes for months and months and months without seeing uh, direct results. It can be tough, especially as a solopreneur, right? You don't have employees, yeah. you don't have a boss Absolutely. pushing you forward, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's far and away the, the hardest. So completely agree with that. Jason, I want to spend the last few minutes and, and talk about LinkedIn. It's, I think, as, as you mentioned earlier, super valuable platform, especially if you're B2B. I think it's still in its infancy. I think there's still very few people doing it all that well. What do you recommend? Can you give us like a super quick crash course on maybe like two or three strategies or pieces of advice for people so that they can up their LinkedIn game? Yeah, cool. So the main thing is make sure that what you're doing is focused on your clients. Um, people still look at LinkedIn as a resume or a CV website, which, which it is if you're looking for a job, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're using it in terms of connecting and trying to generate leads, people write their uh, LinkedIn profile as if it's a resume, okay? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, when I when I was hiring people, which I, I still hire people, but when, when I, you know, when it's that hiring time, I don't get excited, wake up, you know, that CV day going, God, I, I get to, I get to shortlist CVs today. Oh, that's my most exciting thing. Cause it's boring, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it, it, I see a lot of really boring profiles that are very much focused on the individual as opposed to who their client is. So that's the, that's one thing is making sure that it, it's a client focus as opposed to you focused. Um, the other thing then is, is how you're reaching out and connecting with people. Um, a lot of people are putting out content on LinkedIn, which is good, but that's what they think the main strategy should be is content. And a lot of people don't get leads that way. It's a longer burn. I think content's good, but it's a longer burn. Mm -hmm. And I'd say 95% of the people that I've spoken with, I've spoken to a lot of people is they just don't get leads from content. And so there's, I, I call content marketing more of a passive uh, marketing strategy. I like to be more proactive. Now, not spammy. That's not aggressive or spammy. It's just proactive. 
And so going out and connecting with your ideal prospect and communicating and connecting with them in such a way where you stand out and you're different. And you said it earlier, people are putting out the most boring connection messages I've ever seen. Or Mm -hmm. they'll say, in my opinion, really dumb stuff like, oh, I'd love I'd love to connect with you and have access to your network Mm -hmm. like no <laughs> what are you going to do to my network yeah. exactly you know so it, it's making sure that what makes you different what makes you stand apart mm-hmm. and a lot of people are using automation tools right now um and and you know like i said i've been in this game for 13 years pretty much every automation tool i've seen gets shut down at some point because it creates spam mm-hmm. and people don't realize that social platforms they have to make sure that the user experience is good and if people start getting spammed, they're going to shut that stuff down because they'll stop. They'll start losing users and they're, they're not going to do that. So it's making, you know, there can be a place for some automation stuff, but not the way it's being used right now. I'm not a massive fan of automation tools, um, right. but being able to connect with people, um, your connection message, just making it be unique, make it be different, make what, you know, make people go, yeah, cool. You know, if you can make them laugh in a connection message, mm-hmm. do that. If you're not funny, find a way to add value in that connection message where people go, yeah, okay, cool, let's let's connect. And then once they connect, don't just spam them. That's what people mm-hmm. do. They just send an, a message on LinkedIn, tell them all about their products and services, and people don't like that stuff. So yeah. it, it's how you do that and, and stuff, which is what we teach and advise on and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, it, it's great. It's great stuff. I'd say the two biggest pet peeves I have with LinkedIn are number one, people who will include a note saying, "I want to." I get this message probably once a day at this point. It's, "Hey Josh, I see we have a few, you know, a few mutual connections. I would love to connect." And I'm just <laughs> like, "That's not a reason. That's not yeah. a reason to connect with anybody, right?" And and yeah. because I know that those are the type of people that when you hit connect you're going to get a follow-up spam message because it's all been automated 100%. The second one, like you alluded to, is they'll send, they will or they won't send like a, you know, whatever intro message. And then as soon as you accept, they'll send you paragraphs about what their services are. And, you know, a lot of them are like, you know, web development and stuff like that. And it's, I just like, I literally, what what is it? Facepalm or whatever, whatever the expression is. So if please don't do that. Uh, Jason, do you have a quick suggestion? Like, let's say I'm a life coach. What's one quick suggestion you could give for a connection message that you think would be way more effective? The other thing I'll quickly add is the potential to stand out is so high now because you're competing with all these crappy intro messages. So it doesn't even have to be the best. Just make it like a little bit good and you'll stand out from all these other crappy ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's it again, again, depending on who your target market is. So if you're a life coach and you're wanting to work with, let's say, C-level executives, what is it that you can help them achieve without it being like you're selling something? Like wh- you have to think about it. What value can you add to them that they would want to connect? And you're like, oh, well, I can help change their life. No, 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 no. You're that's you still selling. Mm-hmm. You know. Like, what can you do to help them? Maybe, maybe it's depending on what you're doing, you're you're able to help them, you know, put them in contact with someone, or maybe, maybe you even have a podcast mm-hmm. and you're looking to interview people on podcasts so that you're adding value to them to expose them to your network, 
Well, now all of a sudden, you're adding value to them. You're not they you, they know you're not just, not just going to try to sell to them. You know, mm-hmm. and that's where the relationships come in place. So th- that's that's the thing around it is is that I mean I, I've I've had some yeah I've had a connect connection message where I just started off with OMG are you tired of all these boring connection messages mm-hmm. and I get people coming back laughing you know and it's that sort of stuff where it's just different right stand out it's it's absolutely. it's what I call stand out stand up marketing and you got to do it absolutely. Awesome. Jason, this has been really cool. A lot of really valuable stuff. Very cool to hear your story. Uh, my second last question is you mentioned you're big into learning, self-development, stuff like that. Can you suggest maybe two or three resources, books, courses, anything, you know, top two or three that you would really recommend for people who maybe want to learn more about this stuff or, or some that, you know, you found extremely helpful for your, for yourself? Yeah. Well, um, one, just to be a little bit self-promoting, uh, Rethink Academy. You mm-hmm. know, if you go to rethinkgift.com, um, we've got a book, uh, Rethink Social Media. You can get the first four chapters of that. Um, so obviously that one, that has to be number one, right? Um, but uh, some of my fra- favorite stuff, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Dr. John D. Martini. I, I, no. I absolutely love his stuff. Mm. Um, he has some amazing things on just mindset and how to work um just how we we operate as human beings and it's some amazing content around all that um and then i i always a fan of tony robbins as well i mean i like a lot of his content which is really good and um yeah and then if you're looking to really dive in more around um you know kind of the whole on on um uh the, the consistency element of it. Um, there's a, a book called The Miracle Equation, which is, um, is it, oh, I can't remember the guy's name now, but he, he, wrote, he wrote The Miracle Morning and it's a follow-up book to that. And that book is, it's really simplistic in terms of what's done, but if you follow it, it, it will change your life. So hmm. I really highly recommend that. It's called Miracle Equation, phenomenal book. Awesome, I'm gonna have to look that one up. Uh, Jason, thanks so much again. Can you let us know if if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to find your content, where do you recommend that they go? So um, the main thing, again, RethinkGift.com for Rethink, but if they want to connect with me, hey, I'm on LinkedIn. So that's where I am, man. So if you look at Jason A. Osborne, uh, Osborne is O-S-B-O-R-N, and you look me up on on LinkedIn, send me a connection message, just let me know you you connected with me uh, or saw me on this podcast. So again, value. I know why you're connecting with me. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we can connect there, man. So awesome. Jason, thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. Hey, man, my pleasure. Loved it, Josh. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you want to join the Solopreneur Grind community, we recently started a Slack group for other like-minded solopreneurs who are starting or thinking about starting or are already well on their way to working on their own businesses. Doesn't matter the size. Make sure to check us out at solopreneurgrind.com join if you want to join this group. We're constantly sharing ideas, bouncing ideas off of one another, helping each other out in all areas of business and life and all that sort of stuff. Make sure to check it out, solopreneurgrind.com join, solopreneurgrind.com join. Take care and thanks very much for listening.